0: Welcome to Live Sense8, I'm Sheila Applegate
1: And I'm Zach Hansen
0: and a special shout out to Justin Applegate for the composition of the Live Sensate podcast music. In this podcast, we dive deep into the concepts of consciousness and other interesting trivia in the Netflix original series, Sensate. We're doing an episode by episode exploration of how we can live a sensate life. And we're also talking with. Cast and crew and team members of Sensei to hear the experience from their perspective.
1: Enjoy the show. This episode is brought to you by Tracy Wright, Conscious Parenting and Living Coach. She's shining clarity with compassion and understanding. You can find out more about her on consciously awesome. Dot com. We also have Marisa Dranchak, Conscious Life Coach. Discover how vibrant life can be. You can find out more about Marisa at myconsciouslifecoach.com. And Divine Phoenix Books. Books with a purpose for a positive change. Check out Divine Phoenix Books at divinephoenixbooks.com.
0: In this segment, we talk about what's going on in the world of Sense8. There is a new petition out. If you have not signed the new petition, you can find that on social media. Be sure to sign it and to share it with others. In just five days, this new petition reached over 5,000 signatures. You may have signed one in the past. The one that was going around prior to this reached about 50000 and was submitted and a new one started. You will recognize the new one so you know whether or not you have signed it because it has a link to Martin Earhart's video trailer, which includes all the unfinished storylines in Sense8. So it has a very profound effect on saying, we have some questions here. Another huge thing that happened this week that got the fandom stirring is that people from around the world started seeing on their Netflix profile an advertisement for a Sense8 Christmas special on December 23rd. There's a lot of hubbub, one person did post an actual conversation that he had with a help center at Netflix that did say that it looks like it's a legit post and that there really is a Christmas special coming. Speculation is that this would be really hard to pull off without us knowing and some people believe that it is just a glitch in the system. I'm thinking that maybe Bug got in there, did some of his magic, and is making a point for all of us that this is not done, that there's magic of sense And whether it's the spirit of Van Damme or Bug hacking specialties, something is happening. We're not going away. Netflix will notice and wouldn't that be so cool and so sensate if there actually was a surprise special that came out in December? How wild would that be? We do have a special request from Anupam Kerr, who plays Kala's father in Sense8. He did a short video on Twitter talking about the floods and heavy rains that have created some havoc in the land of Kerala. He is asking our support in whatever way we can offer that. So place your good intentions and any support that you can give for the smooth recovery of this sacred land. And we have a special guest with us today. Marisa Dranchek is not only a sponsor of the Live Sense8 podcast, she is also a conscious life coach and certified to run the Consciously Awesome program, which you have heard us talk about in the past and is a great correlation to the Living the Sense8 life. Welcome, Marisa.
2: Well, thank you very much. I'm so excited to be here today. We're excited to
0: have you. So you have a program coming up. Can you tell us a little bit about that program?
2: Yeah, sure. We have a consciously awesome program coming up beginning in September, just a little bit away here. And we're looking forward to it. You know, it's just one of those things that is such a great addition to your life because it brings you so much clarity and it brings you confidence and it helps you to see yourself in a different light and see the world in a different light in a lot of ways too so I think you know people who've who've worked with us through it have really seen some huge changes and shifts in their life that they didn't even expect when they stepped into the program and all of a sudden they get through it and they're like oh my gosh I never thought that would happen you know so it's been very exciting on my side and also and um, the people who work with
0: us. So, you know, we ran into one of the clients that just finished the program with you last night and she was glowing <laughs> and she shared that <laughs> you could just I had seen I had met her actually when she started the program with you and saw her now at the end of it and the transformation just in her physically is noticeable. She was talking about increased improvement in her relationship with her mother and all the different ways that it impacted her life and her career and her perspective. And she was just very pleased with it. So that was fun to see.
2: Yeah, I know. (laughs) When I talked with her last week, and, and she was telling me about some ideas she had for her future moves in her career. And it was so expansive from, where she was, you know, four months ago and like something she never would have dreamed of. And she's just like, I'm making this happen. I put it out there to the universe. I'm so excited.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So you were also a participant in Martin Earhart's (sighs) documentary and you are a super sensei fan, got to meet some of the actors in our virtual party for the season two finale. Can you tell us a little bit about... Why Consciously Awesome is such a perfect springboard from being a Sensei fan, being impacted by the show, to really incorporating that into someone's life?
2: Sure. You know, when I started watching Sensei, I'd heard about it. You guys were all like, can I watch it? And when I finally watched it, it, it I was like, I want to be Sensei. I want to be them. And then I'm like, well, uh, we kind of are. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think anyone who loves Sense8 and just loves that that sense of oneness and that sense of we've all got something to offer the world and that sense of stepping outside of our own little world and connecting with other people and supporting them and recognizing and embracing our own as well as the person next to us's authentic self, I think, all of those things that I love about Sensei and I think so many others love about Sensei are things that come out and are supported by our Consciously Awesome concepts and our techniques and everything because, you know, Consciously Awesome is all about finding that oneness and finding and recognizing our own strengths and looking at our beliefs and looking at how we connect with everyone around us. And for me, you know, seeing Sense8 was kind of that visualization that here it is on the screen in front of me what Consciously Awesome is all about. So I love that about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and one of the things I'm sure you've noticed along with me in the Sense8 fandom is there's a wide spectrum of what attracts people to sensate. And I think there are some very earthly Life experiences that people have to go through, traumas or feeling like an outsider, trying to find themselves within community, that is also a part of Sensei. And I think that this program, in my opinion, is very practical and helping us build community and really, it isn't, it is all the fun stuff of we actually can teleport, we actually can talk to spirit, we can communicate, we can have that magic in life, but it's also the practical part of we can feel a sense of community, even taking it one step further than the Sense8 fandom to a deep sense of community where we can dive in deep and really understand each other and support each other and be understood, which I think a lot of people want too.
2: Yes, I totally agree with that. And I think in some cases, it, like we said, it starts with knowing that about yourself and feeling confident in yourself, and your authentic self, and then being able to connect and see that in others. And I think it's huge as far as that correlation between things.
0: So who should take this program?
2: Who should take it? I feel like everyone should take it. But I think, you know, it's really... For people who are looking and going, you know what, I think there's something a little bit more out there for me, and I just don't quite know what it is and everything. People who want to feel like they understand themselves more, people who want to be able to connect with others or improve some relationships that maybe they feel like they're struggling in. Um, and just don't know what to do. People who want to look at their beliefs and see, you know, what is it that I believe in? Why do I believe this? And do I want to keep this belief? Or do I want to tweak this belief? People who are kind of thinking about some changes in their life, whether it's lifestyle, career, um, relationship, geographical type things, and maybe they just need a little bit more clarity and want to just feel a little bit more confident in the choices that they're making and be more aware of why they're making choices. Exactly.
0: And as you were speaking I just got this thought that you also speak Spanish, right? So we have a really global community, and one of the limitations that I have is that I only speak one language, but maybe someone who can understand English but whose first language is Spanish would really like to speak with you about this because they could speak in their own language.
2: Yeah, I do speak Spanish. I love interacting with folks in that language. I could definitely be able to support them in what they're looking for. I
0: just thought about that as a unique gift that you bring to this global community. Yes. Yeah. So somebody says the program's coming up. How do I fit this in my life? Do I have enough time?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Sheila. You know, the program is really what anybody wants to make of it. That being said... You know, you're taking it because you want to see some shifts or changes or learn about yourself or whatever your purpose is, your motivation is. And just like a lot of things, the more you put into it, the more you're going to get out of it. You know, if you can put in about half an hour a day or more if you'd like or if you need to skip a day and do a little bit more the next day, that's great. But, you know, you do want to invest some time each day in what it's all about and diving into the concepts and the techniques and assignments. And then you have some one-on-one sessions with myself, and those would take a little bit longer. Those come every few weeks. You would have a one-on-one session where we would talk and go through and start talking about how we've been applying things in our lives and what we see happening or questions we have. You know, and then we have some group calls that are available also so that the whole group can come on together and share what they've been learning and what ah ahas they've seen in their life and just different experiences or questions that they've had. You know, there's a lot to it and it's just really exciting to get into it.
0: Yes. So it is a time commitment, but it's easy to weave it into your own life. And if you've taken a course online before, one of the things that I always do is I just kind of tweet her out and I have great intentions, but it's really hard to apply it directly to my life and keep it in the forefront. So one of the awesome things about this program, as you were saying, Marisa, is that you get that individualized attention. And those sessions are really designed to dive in and make sure that this is integrated directly into your life. And the conscious meditation technique is unique. And when you're in a session, it is like a hybrid between hypnotherapy and a guided meditation and your facilitator is in charge. So Marisa makes sure that you have that experience that is uniquely designed for you. And then that community that coming together and you didn't mention either, there's a Facebook. So there's a yeah. private Facebook group. So Everybody in the group can communicate with Marisa with a facilitator at the time of the group. You can ask questions as it goes out. So it's a very interactive. And everything is done through the internet, if needed, through the phone or through Skype. So there is no limitation of your geography for this. Thank you, Marisa, for coming here today and for sharing a little bit more about the program. I know that it is such an incredible fit for people who love Sensei and really want to incorporate it into their lives. So it's an honor to support you in supporting others. And I look forward to hearing all the wonderful miracles that come from your next group.
2: Oh, thanks, Sheila. Thanks for creating the program because it's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't wait for the group that I'm going to be working with. Awesome. Thanks, Marisa. You're welcome. Thank you.
1: This episode, episode two of season two, Who Am I? It was directed by Lana Wachowski, created by Lana and Lily Wachowski and J. Michael Straczynski. It was written by Lana Wachowski and J. Michael Straczynski. The executive producers were J. Michael Straczynski, John Toll, Grant Hill, and Lana Wachowski. Will and Whispers, each race to piece together together the other's location, while Leto heads to his first movie premiere since the photos have leaked. Dun, dun, dun.
0: This is an intense
1: episode. What's gonna happen?
0: So this is a pretty action-packed episode, which is kind of the first of the season in the sense, because that other one, so we remember, we just finished up episode one of season two, but that was in... December and then this comes out in the spring so we've had a lot of time here just milling around waiting for Sensei to come back and then
1: Longing for another episode
0: and then bam High action
1: Excellent. It's very good It's a good episode. It's way, way to get you hooked back into it. That's Right. For sure.
0: It definitely got me. So let's talk about the opening scene And we just dive right into Will having an episode of interacting with Whispers and Angelica and the whole BPO and whoa.
1: Yeah, what just, wow. I still have questions about this scene. What just happened?
0: Right. And we actually spent quite a bit of time deciphering it. Zach wanted to get the what he actually what whispers types into the keyboard because we're thinking that there's probably another coded message for us in there, but we didn't you know
1: that. the creators, they're so detail oriented, right. you know? And I was like, oh there's that's a that's a wasted shot. <laughs> what is he actually typing in there? But it'd be it was just way too much effort <laughs> at the time.
0: Okay, so here's a little tangent. Earlier today, someone came to drop off their payment to attend our Fractal Gathering that's coming up. And she's a Sense8 fan and has been listening to our podcast. And I told her we were getting ready to record today. And so we start talking about whether Sense8 is coming back and also what's in the episode and trying to find all the pieces. And she's just like, man, you really, she didn't say this, but you really get off on that. And I'm like, yeah. So here's what I said. And then I heard myself and I'm like, whoa. So I said, it's a really good thing that Lana Wachowski chose to put her energy into creative movies because she has the intelligence of a serial killer. <laughs> 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 Which I want to say is a huge compliment because I actually am fascinated They're with pretty serial. Smart. Yeah, like I think, you know, I do I mean, I'm not like an advocate of serial killers, but what it is, is it's that it's almost like their minds are so intense that they like these, pu- these puzzles and they want to keep people on their and toes. The, and, and they're and
1: addicted to the adrenaline rush yeah. of not only killing and murdering somebody really awesome, like, but not getting caught. It's just this adrenaline rush the whole time. They're adrenaline addicts and they don't know it. <laughs>
0: But it's more than that. It's the it was so I wasn't really going on the adrenaline. Although obviously the Wachowskis like adrenaline. I meant like if
1: you were actually a murderer.
0: I'm not talking murderers. I'm talking serial killers. There's a distinct difference because what I'm talking about is there's people smart enough who want to create puzzles. Like theirs isn't about killing. It's about creating this map for people to follow with these really highly, well, okay, let me clarify this. Serial killers on TV (laughs) are like this. I don't know if it's real life or how much it's associated, but that idea that it's creating this huge treasure map with all kinds of Easter eggs, but only like you have to dive really deep and only the intellectual match could come up
1: with it. Sheila, it sounds like your life was one decision away from being a serial killer (laughs) i'm just kidding i
0: like i can't even kill a spider so that kind of occupation was out of the question for me um but anyway this this (laughs) tangent may have to get cut i don't know but i'm saying i love the search and this opening scene not only has the adrenaline rush but even so we, having not disclosing the knowledge of the the series through the end of episode or of this season, the end of season two, looking back on this, we dissected the scene and understand its importance a little bit more. It sets it up for the end of this episode too, which we will get into. All this information. So we've got Will. We're following Will and his conversation with Angelica. We've got this stacked timeline of her memories and Will experiencing the memory. So I'm talking about the scene where Will is witnessing this past experience at the BPO.
1: And participating.
0: And participating Not through Angelica's eyes or Whisper's eyes now, but this other sensate on the table that's being controlled. He's a drone. He is a drone, technically. But, well, I don't know if he's technically a drone. He is a person who is being controlled and ends up slashing a throat. But the background conversation now going back into Angelica's past. And this is all just happening in like this muffled tone. Like it's kind of one of those things in a show you would just be like, oh, there's chatter in the background. And yet here's these huge keys to some fundamental story arc. And Angelica is telling Will that he needs to stop it and it's all her fault and she didn't know what's going to happen. And then we're flashing back to Angelica in the past or in this event. So she asks about the neurograph and what they'll do with it. And Whisper says it's to make them trust us and not be afraid of us, which is interesting because that seems like a legit thing that she'd be like, okay, we're she, we see here that Angelica. Is actually still working towards the um, sensoriums and the Homo sapiens getting along. But then you see this muffled memory or something where Whispers is talking to someone else. Yeah, right? it's just
1: the audio. So as Whispers, so there's this scene that transitions from Angelica and Whispers and they're talking about the presentation before it happens. Okay. And then you cut over to Whispers, he's got the neurograph or whatever on his head and he's typing in a keyboard and as that's happening, so he's getting ready to do this presentation, but as that's happening, we hear a conversation that happened prior to this presentation.
0: Right. And he's saying our program is 10% of what you spend on military drone programs. And so Whispers is complaining that he can't get money from them to support this program. And it's just a tiny portion. So we're getting into like how much we spend on military. And then the government's like, oh, we don't have money for that research. You know, Whispers obviously connects. Weapons get us money. So he uses the psychology on them. And he's like, we're promising accuracy and immunity
1: for this weapon, for this
0: weapon. So now what we understand is the whispers is taking the research and he's promoting it to them as a weapon in order to get funded for this. Yep. That's a pretty big deal.
1: It is a pretty big deal.
0: And as the scene goes on, what we see is that he can control these people and in control. Sensoriums. Right. Do we know it's a sensorium? We in do. That? We do for sure. Yeah. Okay. So he can control them to go and kill the, the just another person there in front of these executives that are deciding about funding, right? The top government people. Because. The guy in the conversation in the background from the past, he's like, well, you've been promising that for years. So that's what this whole bloody scene is about. And Angelica trying to stop it from the past using Will. I think she was actually kind of trying to do some sort of timeline stacking. If Will was in there, if he would have had the Will. I mean, there's no mistake every time we use the name Will how often... (laughs) There's a play on that, right? So if Will had had the will to be able to embody this person and stop that and not be controlled, then I think Angelica would have felt like we could have changed
1: timeline. Well, I also think, so Will does have that will, and he's very defiant. He is. So, And and even Riley, too, in all of them, they're just like, well... We know this is how you guys handled things in the past. It didn't, we're, we just can't do that. So we're going to make other choices.
0: Right. And I think I love, that's part of what I love. And maybe that's what Angelica's doing here is showing them the past so they can change the future too. But I do love the faith in the generational growth that there seems to be it, in the storyline from the writers. Angelica wavers on that
1: yeah so does Jonas but they're right. ju- they they're just repeating what works they're not really breaking the pattern so to speak like they haven't really had that victory over BPO right they're just trying to cut their losses in a way like when they commit suicide so you don't get the rest of the cluster
0: right that one does right, right. they got so as far as bit, they could go right and they but there's this hope in a sense there's a doubt but there's a hope that the next generation we'll be able to go farther. And I think that's probably why Angelica birthed so many in the first place. And I, I mean, you know, that's a theme for me. Like, we have to want the next generation to go further. We have to believe in that. We have to keep hoping that the generation will go farther than we can go.
1: If we were wise, we would equip them with everything they needed to do just that, in my opinion but I'm not going to get on that soapbox.
0: But if each generation gets wiser, one generation will do that. And we've got some leak throughs happening (laughs) more and more. The masses will do that.
1: So, yeah. So that that's really confusing because in the scene, so will is actually moving back and forth between the drone that cuts the guy's throat and himself in that scene. So it's like, well, what is happening? Like there's a memory here, but he's actually, physically going through the motions and having that experience of being in that room and taking part in it too.
0: And he's taking part in the bedroom at the same time. So there's, and Angelica's over there with him and she's in the bedroom. So we definitely have a representation of how nonlinear these higher frequencies are to navigate.
1: Right. And then there's just this really quick shot of some fingers holding down a candle wick to, to put the flame Pinching out. Pinching it out, yeah. But you don't see who that is or where yeah. it's at. And as the, shat, as the shot pans back a little bit where Will's just sitting there and Angelica's not there, there's actually a large candle back by the staircase that was put out.
0: Yeah, there's other candles in the room, but the one that's over by where Angelica was is right. put out. And, again, I get a little excitement here. This is what I'm saying. All these tiny details that present messages because candles have been used for communication with the non-physical or with spirits for generations. Like that's a very typical, it kind of spans across many cultures. The kind of wiggling candle represents one talking and the going out. Yeah, there's
1: a whole thing on candles and lights and smoke colors and not smoke like there's this whole chart if you will it's this the whole interpretation of. oh and there's
0: all kinds of different traditions so
1: I looked it up because it was like oh let's see because me and Sheila when we were watching this we're both like that's kind of that's a little seancey so let's see if there could be a little message in there too so
0: yeah and I looked it up this morning too I didn't tell you but I watched one video and and it was like there is several videos. I am not advocating this. I think that divining or trying to communicate using tools to communicate have are great. Like water is a conduit. All these things. And what what it's really doing is it's showing the that energy, which is non physical, can more easily manipulate less dense form. Right. So. This is why a spirit may be able to manipulate a breeze and you feel a chill. Um, A spirit may be able to ripple water or, you know, the candle. When I was um, buying this house, I really wanted it. I didn't have the money right away and it was on the market. This is a non-physical tangent, but it's cool. Okay, so in condensed form... This house was meant to be mine. This is over 15 years ago. I really wanted it. I needed to get my act together before I could buy it. And so my spirit friends were all like, we got this for you. Let us take care of it. And I was watching them, you know, like typical movie, doors slamming, windows going, all the stuff that you see on TV with the spirits being able to move the non-physical. And we ended up getting the house. I'm talking to a, a person who moved in the town re, at the same time and told her where I lived. And she went ghost white. And she goes, oh, my God, we call that the ghost house. We really wanted to buy it. And when we were upstairs looking at it, there were no windows and doors were slamming. And <laughs> we got out of there really quick. So <laughs> tangent. But... It's really known that spirit can manipulate. I think they can manipulate mechanics. Like my phone is manipulated. The TV can flash on. Lights flash on. You've heard all this stuff. The reasoning behind that is that it's easier for them to manipulate a frequency that's closer to their frequency, which means less dense. And so that's why flames have been used as a way to communicate with them
1: in the past. Well, thanks, Sheila, for that. That was out of the first scene in this episode. So next, this to me is one of the most iconic scenes in Sense Eight, if you ask me. As oh, far absolutely. as it's it's so beautiful, it's hard to talk about even. But as far as capturing the essence of our humanity.
0: Yeah. And there are, like you said, there's a handful in the first two seasons of clips that are just stand alone, beyond measure, brilliant, that get obviously, you know, trend and the clips go out there. So I'm sure you guys have heard this, but we can't ignore it. We need to hear it again.
1: So I'll set up the clip for you. So we have Leto walking up to his premiere of his movie and he's Going to get interviewed from a reporter, and then we also have on the other side of the world we have Kafius, who also is getting interviewed by a reporter, and the scene blends together so well.
2: Is this your lover, then? Sorry, I didn't recognize him with his clothes on. Do you?
3: You know. Know what your problem is?
2: I don't have a problem. I just want to understand. You're
3: but not trying to
1: understand are anything. Are you admitting you're gay no, or you're not. not trying to understand anything.
2: Because labels are the opposite of understanding.
1: But Van Damme is white. Yes.
0: So even if it's about courage, it's about white courage.
1: Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, maybe I'm not understanding, but what does courage have to do with? It's the
3: color of a man's skin. Just a little kid who loved movies, and, and the heroes I watched made me feel like I was braver than I was, funnier, smarter. They made me feel that I could do things that I made me believe I could do things that I didn't think I think I could do. But that boy who watched TV with his mama and grandma, aunties, aunties
1: is not the man who became that, not the man who became a driver, and that driver is not the same person you see standing here. I and
2: mean, who is standing here?
3: Who am I? Who am I?
1: Do you mean where I'm from? Where I'm from.
2: Do you mean where I'm from? When do you make me come, I'm from. Do you mean what I do, what I've done, what I dream?
0: What do I do? What I've done, what I've done. Do you
3: mean what you see?
1: scene with the music crossed over and all the whispers of voices and it feels like life in that moment is trying to figure out who it is or what it is it's that it feels like to me especially without the the visuals is like just this consciousness trying to actually express and feel out who it is through this echo of different thoughts in the mind of everyone
0: It's really beautiful, and I feel like I just go into a meditative state. Like, I felt it in my heart as much as I heard it with my ears, and it's so far beyond... I mean, it speaks to every heart, and it's the truth. There's so much in here. There's so much in here to dissect, and I think a few of the topics that I would pull from this is about media... And, reporting. and we have another comment on that at this point. And what is the level of truth? What are we really seeking when we tell stories, whether it's through media or something else? What are we seeking when we reach out and try to get to know someone? Do we even try to get to know someone? And... Labels that help us to share and connect who we are to someone else also divides us. I think at this point in the art that is Sense8, it's already gone through season one. It's already been identified from the viewers and the public as a series that represents the LBGT community that... Shows diversity and helps people feel included in spaces that they weren't included in the past. And even in the springboard to this commentary, it's the reporters coming to the table with a judgment, with a, with themselves, with their personal, this is what we need to do. And did you lie to me? You know, did you lie to your audience and your fans by not sharing this personal piece of your life? And then to have it be returned with, could you understand it? How are you limiting me to one aspect of my life? Who am I? I am so much more than what you see. I'm more than what I will be in 20 seconds. How do we ever define ourselves in any tangible moment. And I say that to you a lot, Zach. I'm like, don't hold me to what I say today, because tomorrow I could be a different person. And I think that freedom to be a different person, and yet we have this difficulty of how do we connect? We want those words. We want those similarities to connect us, but then we filter it through our own experiences.
1: and Let it divide us sometimes. This to me is, to me, in my perspective, and how I view this reality is probably the most important question anybody can try to unravel in themselves yeah, and so i could I could probably sit here and talk all day about it because it's so important, and I think that's why it's so thematic. this isn't the first time we've been this theme of who am I is what sense is all about. So we have this inclusiveness within society, and then we have this esoteric question, which really isn't super esoteric, but when you, when you dip into who am I and what does that mean, and, and when you're truly expanding your identity of self to include others, like that who am I question encompasses all of that.
0: And it moves beyond who we are in the physical. So right. when we realize we're more than who we are in the physical and we are expanded like they are into the cluster, into a spiritual or a divine connection, something more than the physical reflection, I think this is really cool. So this is Who Am I? If you look in earlier metaphysics or even May hear it today, and it's even in the Bible. I am the I am. So the I am presence is what it's called in early so in the metaphysics that I began with, which is based in like from the nineteen thirties, forties on, but I believe it's it's actually in the Bible that as one of the names of God is the I am presence.
1: I am that I am. Right. Yep.
0: So that is is taught, has been taught for a century, at least, if not more, that when anything you call in the name of the I am, you manifest. So what that's telling us is that when we remember that we're more than all these things that they just listed, we're more than our, our behaviors, we're more than what you see, we include who we love, what we love who we're going to become, who we've been in the past, and we expand our attention beyond the limited perception of our identity, of who am I, into the I am that I am, we create a force, a power that allows us to navigate at a higher frequency. So this has a dual side of that. How do we become the I am?
1: Oh, wait, but there's more. (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> Let's go to school. <laughs> excellent, right? So I agree with everything you said, Sheila. In the the trick here, the illusion, if you will. I love what they said at the end. He he couldn't figure out who he was. They didn't know who they were, and that's excellent, right? Because I, he just said, "Well, I'm the same as you. We're just trying to figure this out, right? right. Like we've all we're all going through this process together, and so by." Engaging in this who am I process with your thoughts, words, deeds, and emotion, you can then start to realize who you are by going through this spectrum of what you are not. And that's the illusion. That's the trick. That's the spectrum. So a great example of this would be that every single one of us can relate to is age, Like, we start out as a kid, and then we go through our life, and so much happens, and we age, and we get old, most of us anyway, and then we pass on. And through that process, you're still deducting, who am I? Who am I? And and even as you get older, you know, the older you get, you're like, man, I'm like a 30-year-old man, and I want to be like I'm 18. You know, it takes a while to not feel like you're a young stud anymore, that kind of thing, because you still identify with youth. And that's just coming from my perspective, you know, just a little snippet of that, but... The, the, the great illusion, the, the great big bang, if you will, of this experience is to truly experience what you are not, to experience what you are. Who am I? And then some people have that moment before they pass over, and some people have that moment when they pass over to get to know who they really are, because the illusion is this life ends. So we think we're this person, and then we die, and then there's no more. But there's more. <laughs> it's just us experiencing ourselves in a different way, and that too is an illusion, right? So anyway, that's why I love this question: Who am I?
0: Well, I think that um, it's all it's all that you said, and it is the who am I. But part of identifying who I am, and they say who do I love, and all of these different aspects, it does have to be connected to relationships. So Not only do we have a desire to be understood. Not only do we true
1: too. Yeah, we want to be seen. That's that's a theme. That's my point. That's
0: why I'm holding it. (laughs) Not only do we have, (laughs) Mm -hmm. not only do we have the desire to know who we are. We want to be understood. We want the intimacy of that experience of someone coming as close. And there, there is no other human being who interacts with us and can know us as fully who we are on a human level. When we start to navigate our relationships to include the higher levels, then we can have more of a deep understanding of each other in those realms. But that longing, that desire is to be seen and to let somebody else understand us and feel that intimacy in there. And we see that with the reporters. We see it with the cluster as they weave in and they're experiencing that because they've moved to get to know each other beyond the physical. Only Will and Riley are in the physical relationship with it at this point. Everybody else is getting to know each other. And even that... Will's out of it so much. So their relationship is mostly in the higher frequencies. So
1: well, kind of because Will holds Riley there and he's cause she can't feel him because he's all drugged up. Right. So he's, and he's on blockers all the time and stuff. So they might, they, their connection is mostly physical yeah, and, and they're longing for the other connection right. actually, because it's, it has more sustenance. They're, they're sacrificing say that. Say that the physical the connection group. isn't important because it is, but, once you have that more that's added on to the physical.
0: Right. And that even gets shown because Riley has such a desire to tell him who she was, to talk about her yogurt and the farm she grew up on. And he says, no, those details are dangerous. So they can't even, even though they're tied to the physical in order to go through this, they are like, and and they look like hell, kind of. Like, they're going through hell. But that's relationship hell that we we've all been in that space where we aren't capable for whatever reason of connecting to that intimate frequency that we initially connected with someone in. And we're not able to share who we are in the physical. And yet here we're in a relationship, navigating something together with desire, but to be caught in that middle place, that's hard. Mm -hmm. So, at the end of this scene, the reporter makes a shift. The one that's talking to Lito, but the scene ends with Zakia. We meet Zakia for the first time here. If you haven't listened to our episode with Mombi, make sure you listen to it because we, we get to know her more. But at the end of this scene, she says, I am Zakia," And who's been in this whirlwind of unity because she doesn't know he's in unity during that time with a full cluster having this incredible experience because like they come they're like out of it right like what what did we feel when we listen to it they were in that they were swirling in this unity consciousness where they feel like they're being felt and seen and then he comes out of it and she says i'm Zakia," and he's like what and she says my name is Zakia." Well, that could seem really simple, right? Because she's just giving her name, but she's dropping the reporter pretense. She's dropping the role and she's giving her name. This is who I am. Like I was just touched by this. I want you to know me and I want to see each other, which is cool. Super cool. Yeah. Maybe more will come. (laughs) Maybe more enough to interview The the actor.
1: All right, so then we have another scene with Will, and he is trying to snoop on Whispers and figure out some small details that Whisper's going to give up by accident so they can actually find him and the rest of BPO.
0: Yeah. We get a window into his home. Somebody's riding the horse, and they use a name, but... We didn't catch it, so I don't really... I mean, I'm assuming that um, the horse is his child, but we don't know who's riding the horse. Cause it we seem, don't. seems to be they're referencing a male, so I don't think it's this little girl, and they seem older. So anyway, they have the horse. He and a woman, who is his wife, we find out, are watching the horses run, and... So, Riley heard the horses, too. Yeah, she's laying next to Will. So, she's laying next to... So, this fluidity between everyone
1: is cool. It is cool. How do you keep it all straight?
0: Right? And then Will is going in and out of Whispers now, too. And sometimes he's standing where Whispers is standing, and sometimes he's standing outside observing. He's moving.
1: Yeah, that was a little interesting.
0: Yeah. And so... As Whispers, basically, he's having a conversation with the wife, and she says, The horse seems to know what he wants, like he can read his thoughts. Or maybe Whispers was there. So they're in and out.
1: Yeah. And then Whispers kind of comes away. He, like, says something in Will's bed about how it's, yeah, like they have one mind.
0: Yes. Whispers is in the bedroom, too, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of blurred. And and Whispers even says that this is harder than he expected.
1: Right. But before that we know that his wife knows that he needs blockers. Yes. So that was a little detail, like oh. And she there's knows. this
0: playful like Yeah, because they're talking about the horses and Whispers said yeah, he says like they share one mind and then wouldn't that make it easier? And that's a, that's a really profound, I mean, there's a question right there. Would it make it easier? Does it make it easier? It makes it easier and it makes it harder.
1: Right, when you're working in harmony, it's easier. When you're not, I don't suppose that would be a lot more work to try to get everything to work into sync. Yeah. So we got one thing about will, standing kind of in both places. It's almost like, to me, they're trying to represent being the observer and the observed at the same time. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You're so smart. Thanks.
0: So there's a little bit of a play. The wife is saying, you know, of course, then you'd know all the wicked things I want to do to you before I lose you to Chicago. So that's how we realize he's going to Chicago. So later in the episode, that's where he would be then is in Chicago. No, he's not. He's in London. Yeah, because he's in London. So is it a time thing? Right, and we don't
1: know if it is a time thing. or Like, we don't know if he's visiting, having a memory, or if it's real time.
0: See, originally I thought that was when he was going and Angelica would be in Chicago. Because Angelica... So I'm thinking now that this is a past thing.
1: I have no idea still. I don't have any theory about that.
0: Yeah, but they are taking the pills. And she does know about it. And we don't know... You know she doesn't like him. Like she makes it sound like, ooh, it's gonna be more sexy if you don't ever know everything. But you know she might be hiding. She doesn't want him knowing everything about what she thinks about
1: him. The wicked things.
0: Like that could mean. You know, you could be straight up saying the truth.
1: I I really want to kill you (laughs) because I'm a serial killer.
0: (laughs) Oh man! This. Episode is getting weird.
1: <laughs> like, attract, like, right? Mm-hmm. Two serial killers well, right. together in even... love?
0: No, like, there's... What is it that she wants? Yeah. How did she get attracted to him? What did, What was that about? So, Will is really struggling with the... Like, he's been doing this for quite some time now, and it's rough. And the whole team is... The whole cluster is depending on him. He's, like, going to the edge of darkness and trying not to fall in. You know, like another piece of our spiritual journey, I think, right? We go deep into the shadows and we try not to fall in as we find ourselves. And they're all counting on him. And it's getting rougher because he's using heroin to do this.
1: Yeah, they never really tackle his heroin addiction problem in the right. series that I can tell. Like, he's going to have some serious withdrawals, yeah, and they... it just doesn't happen.
0: <laughs> I mean, they're showing it while he's in it, but when he gets out, they don't show how we, they fixed it. Right. Yeah. But they do address, like, Kala says his body can't take this anymore. Like, he hasn't been in REM sleep, he's not getting enough sleep, he's not eating, and he's not taking care of the physical body to do this. Riley says all he does is sleep, and she said drug-induced unconscious is not the same as sleep. So they are acknowledging some of the difficulties, Mm -hmm. but yeah, he just kind of comes out of it. and
1: He's a hero again. Yeah. (laughs) It wouldn't be a good show if he was throwing up every five minutes when he was trying to chase the the bad guys (laughs) because he didn't have heroin. That would just be a terrible show.
0: Maybe Kala had some sort of chemical solution
1: that would help him.
0: So they know that it's getting near the end and they know they're all relying on Will. They're trying to support him the best they can, but they're kind of at a, like he's going, he's being pushed as far as he can push and they still don't have any concrete evidence. Bug is trying to find something Nomi's trying to find something. They're all like working to get a piece that's going to give them some concrete information to make a shift here. And in the meantime, we've got Nomi and Neitz. They're also trying to find out more about um, sensoriums or sensates. And they go to talk to the one professor that is friends with Neat's mom, Grace, and she says some pretty interesting things about how she likes anthropology because things are always changing and and things that, so she doesn't believe in Dr. She tells us it's Dr. Colovey who wrote The Humans Being Human, I guess, about sensoriums. That is not a true author. (laughs) It is a fictional character and I believe a fictional book, obviously. But the concept is in there. And when I did research his name to see if it came up, there are some other books right around that. So this was one of the things I like, too, is that bleeding of fiction and reality. Because a lot of the books that they place there are books that are real, that were being directed to read. And then we've got the fictional book and the fiction... I mean, it had to be, obviously. I Googled
1: it and I came up with um, Seven Habits of Successful People or something. It was one of the... It wasn't the... I tried to find this person's name oh, to see I if see there was understand. anything related. And so that was the author that popped up. Because I was looking for the theory of... Psychic abilities and humans and stuff like that. And I didn't know how to spell this person's name, right? Because they just <laughs> said it. So anyway, that, that's, that was what led me, led me down to the seven habits.
0: And I came up. Yeah. So anyway, they go to this person. And um, this, so they go from the one professor to the other professor. And that leads them into Chicago. And they're in listening to him talk about Language. This author is talking about... One of the questions he asks is, what is the evolutionary advantage of language?
3: Words. Their inadequacy is a cliché. Words can't express. Words aren't enough. I can't find the words. But what if you didn't have to? Hmm. Now, there is no way to prove whether our early ancestors used language as we know it or not. Yet, if language supplanted this older communication, the obvious conclusion is that language must be superior, sequitur quod, so are we. More to the point, what evolutionary advantage would our form of communication have over theirs? What couldn't you do if people could read your thoughts? For starters, you couldn't lie. There was a time we thought our place in the world was the will of the divine. As that rationale fell out of favor, it was the science of the enlightenment that provided any number of answers to our ascendancy. It is only recently, in light of the havoc and devastation our existence has inflicted on this planet, have we begun to question the nature of our supremacy. When we consider our ancestor relatives, we've typically blamed their extinction on their own bad luck. Mounting evidence, however, suggests that it was not an accident nor failure of adaptation. Our cousin's untimely demise was the result of a rather extended and brutal genocide. And what's more, the children of these barbaric murderers are actually sitting right in this room (laughs) and standing at this podium. What happened to the Neanderthal, to the Denisovians, The Homo Asiaticus and the Lede. Homo sapiens happened. (laughs) We came along and we wiped all of them out.
1: Rough. Spitting some truth there, right? (laughs) We're pretty good at genocide.
0: Humans are pretty good at genocide. Homo
1: sapiens are awesome at genocide.
0: (laughs) It's a, well, again, multiple things to chat about in here. The idea that we're not all that and that our moving for like you know, that we're the bad guy, something to look at for sure. We have a lot of movies that come out of Hollywood about the resistance, you know, and Star Wars, all of that. And I remember somebody saying, What you don't understand is that the rest of the world or a lot of the world thinks of the United States as the bad guys and that the rest of the world is resisting against you know that they have to resist It's pretty us. easy
1: to paint that picture
0: <laughs> I'm not saying I mean right. but it goes beyond that right it's it is like this didn't start with America like this has been going on for a long time and the suppressors and the liars and the the, homo sapiens the homo sapiens <laughs> that's what he's
1: saying here in this
0: i know like <laughs> i think you there's know, one trend here <laughs> there is a trend here that despite we're,
1: your color or your culture or your language you're a homo sapien doing the same things homo sapiens been doing
0: but then we have the sensoriums doing the same thing like they're I killing know. too so
1: but we're killing to survive.
0: So it's a it's an interesting rabbit hole, another rabbit hole that we're finding here. And how far do we want to dive in? Definitely something to look at. I also really, so it's the deception, it's the lying, and it's the not having communication from the heart and not remembering the, other communication that we have
1: and yeah when they go after this uh neats and nomi go into his his office and he actually says debatably the best parts that we got from the homo sensoriums was the limbic system like we adapted that from Mm -hmm. them and some people say that that's the best part which is how we communicate outside of language right So he would agree with that too in the show.
0: And I've I've always I mean I've always felt that language is very divisive and it's also what unites us. And so it's the and we had this discussion with Michael when he was on to Michael Summers, who plays Bug, because there is a language beyond the limited physical words. Then there is that ability to lie and When you know your own intuition, you pick up on lies, you can sense lies. And when you trust and know yourself, one of my favorite movies is the invention of lying. And it has a ton of loopholes in it. Because how do you get these concepts into simplistic movies? It's it's impossible, but it's hysterical. Although I think it is so funny. And the concepts, because it's the general concept that's trying to be conveyed that I'm like, yes, but my kids like, literally used to hide the dvd from me and tell me it was gone <laughs> i didn't even watch it that much Were so they're like really but it's it's all about like how we interact if you couldn't lie but again when you know yourself and that's like one of the twin flame things that makes the twin flame relationship so difficult is you cannot lie like The heightened connection, just like this cluster. Like the cluster can't lie to each other. It's impossible because you have a deeper connection, which means you can't lie to yourself. And it just goes on and on. And what is lying and what is truth? And it's just, it's so, so deep. But the ability to deceive through language and limit people's ability to trust themselves would be at the core is what he's saying.
1: Yeah, we even talked about that too when on um, the episode demons. Right? Mm-hmm. You, we we at a young age learned that we can't trust our own bodies. Right. That's a big deal because that's our sen- these are our sensors that are important that we need to to learn how to discern everything. But we can't trust ourselves and we get all twisted and tied. And this is a cultural thing that has been happening forever As we just keep subjugating ourselves through our stories. And it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it is. It, we cut off, literally cut off all those tools that we need to be more than the limited versions of ourselves did you know i know you were in the military did you know that when the u.s military first started including native americans in the armed services they had to cut their hair off and that was one of their greatest tools because they could actually feel through their hair when a predator was coming
1: yeah i read that article and that was in vietnam Mm-hmm. they wanted to enlist native americans because they were really good at tracking and having good sensory <laughs> and then and then they took their yeah, tools and, away and, and threw them over in vietnam and that didn't work out and they're like why aren't you guys working you know
0: i was like yeah cuz you aren't letting us so it's fascinating like it's been bound in a lot of different ways when we cut ourselves off from our natural essence of things we lose that so while we think oh we're the most i mean we being i don't know whoever thinks it like we're the most evolved species on the planet because we have a language first of all other animals have a language that we just don't understand just because you don't understand a language doesn't mean they don't have one (laughs) but anyway they're
1: so primitive they can't make machine guns and nuclear bombs right (laughs)
0: Or human beings <laughs> that turn into... You know, <laughs> come back to that one, too. Yeah. Like, we do that just by putting people in the army. Oh, humans. <laughs> so, if your communication isn't limited to language, there is something beyond that. And the next scene that we're going to talk about is visiting Sarah's mom. If you remember, Will sees the little girl, Sarah, and uh, she's gone missing. It turns out that Milton, a.k.a. Whispers, had taken her. Now, Nomi and Neats are in um, Chicago to visit the professor, so apparently there's a decision that's been made for them to go visit Sarah's mom.
1: They're looking for clues, and this particular clip we're going to get into it's really going to showcase Will's, the Will's journey. Man, every time I say that now, it's going to be, it's going to mean something different after this episode. Alright, so let's listen to the clip.
2: Will was his name. His father was the detective assigned to my daughter's case.
3: No one believed me. Not even my dad. She did.
2: You can see her. You can see
3: our daughter? She's next to you.
0: (gasps) Sarah. She's holding your hand.
1: I don't believe this. I don't believe in ghosts, or souls, or any of this bullshit.
3: She's not a ghost.
1: Then so what are you see?
2: A memory. He came back to see me after he had graduated to become a policeman.
3: Let's just say it wasn't easy being the son of a cop. I don't imagine it would be. Why I was sure I'd never be police. Um, there I am on the graduation. I'm having an out-of-body experience. I'm, I'm looking down at myself. and am thinking, what the hell am I doing? Why am I becoming something I never wanted to be in the first place? I just couldn't understand it, and. Uh... call my name and I look up and she was there I saw her it had been a long time but uh Sarah was there and I remembered I remembered why I was there
1: So that was cool. We got to learn about Will a little bit more. And before we get into that, I just want to say real quick about communication. So this, um, Sarah's mom's husband, Sarah's father, he was really upset about this because he doesn't believe in all this stuff. And I, I just want to say that it's absolutely okay not to be able to experience these sensations in any particular way. Like not every everybody might have the capacity to do so, but we have to honor the spectrum of being able to communicate. And a, l- a lot of times we can cause pain to ourselves because we think we should be perceiving in a way that we can't, right? And we use kind of we we use spirituality as a tool to kind of subjugate ourselves and, and beat ourselves up. So I just want to say that when it comes to communicating and stuff, is just to be able that you know to honor the you know we honor the spectrum of we're we're moving to honor the specter of gender which is a broad spectrum and sexuality and gender identity like these are a spectrum and and so is being able to perceive things so it doesn't make anybody less than (laughs) it's just a different capacity of being able to perceive reality and it doesn't make, make those people you know we're we're considered crazy or you know out there or maybe even mental if we can perceive these things so i'm just saying honor the spectrum that's all i'm saying
0: so with the spectrum um there's a lot to talk about here like it's a spectrum of how much we communicate beyond the physical or how much we don't but there's also a lot of belief system like this is really loaded in this little section and we didn't talk about it but prior to this clip As Neets and Nomi are walking in, Will in the present is behind them, walking and talking with them. But also we see time stacking is what I call this. So we often think of time as linear, and we even think of linear timelines. In reality, science has confirmed that it's actually stacked. So while we may be going through life in what feels like linear time, everything that ever has happened and ever will happen happens in the same moment. It's really difficult for a human brain to conceive of that, let alone put it into an art and visualize that for us. But this scene is another attempt at showing that for us. And when Will as a little kid says, it's she's not a ghost. It's more like a memory. That is a key indication to what we understand in this moment, because the man's the father's resistance to this, (laughs) the man's (laughs) resistance to this is because of the fear that it creates if I expand my consciousness to include this where I don't believe maybe in God I don't believe in souls I don't you know an atheist perception of that and therefore it can't be proven and and Will is just even as a little kid like it's not that it's not what we limit the storyline of a ghost or a soul to be it is more and he says it's a memory. So if you look at this scene and you see that walking in at the same time as them, we've got Nomi and Neets. We've got Will in the present. We have Will as a child riding his bike up to the house. We have Will's father coming up, driving up drunk and approaching the house. We have Jonas approaching the house. We have, I believe, the reporter that with Lido that Lido's met.
1: Yeah, one of the the sensates that's part of the cluster. Who was also Angelica's the one Angelica ran off to after, I thought.
0: Yeah, and we have Milton, who was under an alias name at that point, with Sarah, all coming to the door. Then when we move into the conversation that Nomi and Neitz is having, think about this. When they show up, she the mom knows exactly what they're there for because she recognizes the feeling, the approach, it's happened enough times for her. But as she's talking to them, they're weaving back, we're weaving back into Will's earlier memories and her earlier memories, and she's remembering everybody in the same way. So, time stacking and timeline fluidity is not as difficult as we think of it, or as much of an exterior concept, because we do it all the time. So think about that in your in in any conversation that you're having, you're constantly remembering the past and the present, you're associating it with different things that it's been similar to, or, That you can relate to, you're thinking about the next thing you're going to say, you're moving into the future. So, the fluidity of which we move and navigate through time, if you take away our exterior physical interaction and five sense touching, then you'll realize that you are constantly moving timelines. You're worrying about the future, you're projecting into the future, you're thinking desiring different aspects of the future, you're remembering your past, you're talking in multiple possibilities in every moment, and this is witness. So when Will says she's a memory, it isn't that she's just a memory, it's that we are all memory. Like if that's what it is, it's a frequency that can be tapped in because he was in present dialogue with her. But to me, that's a window into... The this is so much more than our physical linear explanation of it. Somebody dies and they become a ghost. It's like we're all this all the time.
1: Right. And then the problem is we're limited by language to be able to express all of these things. Right. Because our language is... Very linear. It's one word after another instead of multidimensional.
0: But then the gift of linear and then language, you know, if we now turn this around and, and we don't just say, oh, we're all messed up and we screwed up. We actually anchor ourselves into this frequency of density so that we can experience all that and this. We become more when we can experience and remember all that while also having the five senses. And that's where the miracle happens. And that's where linear time and language is both a positive and it it can hold us back if we cling to it and we limit ourselves to it. But when we allow ourselves to experience everything and include that, which has to be included in everything, then it becomes this miraculous opportunity. So yeah that
1: thanks for sharing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I also could relate to i i, I like the scene well, so we're gonna go into will and how he his choices that he ended up making, but I like the scene when will is he's like tell her that I'm still fighting, and I'm gonna get this guy, and like he's all revved up, and I'll not you know like I don't know what his little his little hero speeches, and Nomi's like, he wants you to know he's still with you. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that because it can really happen when you're, you know, I did readings for a lot of years, and I'm not saying you don't say the truth, but there's times when it's just... Not helpful the way it's being presented to you, and you have to like work with them until you come up with what the true essence of the message is. Nomi
1: does say that she says not helpful, and when yeah, needs is pulling out the picture because Will's like he's right, he's enraged,
0: right, and so there is that element, and it is a good window into the responsibility of a reader because it's not always healthy just to blurt out, you know, I whatever emotion a spirit is going through or whatever's being related or to, in some cases, just blurt out not knowing what the source is, you know? And I think that that is what people are concerned that that some people giving readings would filter, but a good messenger will dissect and bring forth the highest message. And Nomi did a good job of that. So Will's life.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that Will has didn't want to be a cop and he's really confused about that. And then he's like, oh, yeah, this is why I'm here. So she's kind of leading him through this process. But he has to basically develop the skills he needs to be able to defeat BPO. Right. Right. But he doesn't know that beforehand. And isn't that the way life works sometimes is we develop skills that we're like, I have no idea why I'm going to use these or where or whatever. And then life leads us in another direction. And we kind of just stack on this experience that really creates kind of like a, a really useful human being because of the experiences that we don't want sometimes. So I saw that in there.
0: Yeah, and it's a bringing in the you know if you really think about souls choose their parents they choose we choose this whole experience from before we're even physical and all the elements that we need for the life that we're creating and if we go back to the boat scene on Fourth of July when Will is telling his dad that he wants to be a or maybe no it's his His dad dad is remembering that day. And you can tell that Will didn't want to do that when he like in and his dad is saying, I didn't want to follow my dad and I did it. And then Will did it, but it was a, a slightly less coerced, but still somehow felt like he had been pulled into the family business without wanting to. And so now he gets in and. Then, as he moves on, he realizes it's all piece of what he, he like you said, and that it actually comes from something beyond that internal knowing. That, that same thing that made him different and unique and that was trying to be suppressed by the cops is now what leads him to
1: that. Right, and I think that's also why he's able to do what he does so easily because... He doesn't really want to be at a cop at heart, but he's good at following the rules. But he's also good at not following the rules. Right. Right. And that's that other side that lets him go that easier. So I like how they added that dynamic in to really see like, oh, yeah, it's cool. He can do heroin. No problem. Or he can use these special access codes or go ask for special permissions or go make deals with gangsters. I mean, he just he it's his dichotomy is quite interesting. But now. I know that he, at his heart, at his core, that's not what he wants to do. But he's got all the skills that he needs now to perform his BPO pursuit.
0: And in a way, it's not, it was the box of it that he didn't want, you know, and that he's able, it's another example of generations being able to go beyond what the generation before them. So, even though they're just each cops, each cop in itself moves to a different aspect of that. I actually see that in my children too. Like there is a period that both of them were like, I'm not doing what you do, you know, like all resistance. And now they both gone off in different directions, but they can see where everything that they were raised with makes them even more, they accept the parts of them and their life and childhood experience, you know, um, Justin can be a scientist and still acknowledge that we're telepathic with each other all the time. It's not a conflict. And and to understand that, even though he's diving into science, that it's the same concepts. And I don't know, I just think it's another generational. You have to find your own identity. And when you get true to yourself, you understand that you can take the tools of your childhood and grow with them and another message of each generation needs to grow yeah 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 so there's a couple other scenes that i wanted to just pull out well we've got the big scene coming out at the end that um i'm sure if you're listening to this you've probably watched the episode so you know there's another little one and there's some gems We don't get... Like, if you notice, we haven't talked a lot about Kala, Wolfgang, Caffias and Son. They're in the uh, Who Am I scene. But there's not a lot... Well... Caffius, oh, Caffius does end up going out with Zakia, and
1: Yeah, we discussed all that during uh, our episode. episode. Yeah, so.
0: so we didn't go. That is like a really good clip when they're out at the cafe talking, but we dive really into it right with Mumbi. So why do that one again without her here? <laughs> Don't overlook that, though. That is a key in this episode. There's another scene, too. We get a window into Kala and Rajan and Rajan's father and their relationship and how these dynamics are going, because Rajan's father says that he has decided to take a political position. And we watch this dynamic with his wife and the overpowering of her identity and her her submission to him and the uncomfortableness of that in the family dynamic. And Rajan stands up to it and says, hey, like, I want to hear from mom. Interesting, Kala's dad is the one that kind of smooths things over, like, let's not make this a big deal at dinner. So there's a lot of um, intricacies to relationship that we witness with Kala. We also see Kala getting her... Her new home, which of course has a balcony, (laughs) swimming pool, which she thinks of Wolfgang. But she's in this beautiful place. And then Wolfgang, as it's been going on, he's been at the club and Felix is being gifted the club. Like, you're going to give this. We'll see more about that as that goes on. But he's like, you're giving me the club?
1: Yeah, it's kind of an odd scene because we don't know who this guy is.
0: Yeah, yeah, and
1: it's just, we'll look, it's we'll look more into it
0: next next episode, probably. But Wolfgang's just sort of is now, right? Like he's walked away. He's refused to take the position and he's just sort of in waiting. We don't know what Wolfgang's going to do here. And he just sort of is. So this is why the scene is so telling. So there's one scene where he goes back. He's He's at the zoo and he's watching a a caged tiger and son who is in a cage
1: who is a tiger
0: (laughs) who is a tiger she comes and sits next to him and she says the zoo and so what we understand then is this flashback that this is where his mom used to come when the dad was beating her or whatever, when things got too tense, she would take Wolfgang and they would go to the zoo and they would watch the tiger. So as a kid, Wolfgang is saying, what do you think the tiger would do if he were to escape, if the glass broke or whatever? And she says, I think he would wait a while and then he'd go back in the cage. Mm -hmm. And Sun says, well, no, I I guess she says, maybe she says, wait a few hours and then go back home. Like that cage is his home, and he wouldn't know any different. And then Sun says, cages are hard even for us. And Wolfgang says, waiting is hard. That, to me, is just really profound, because it talks about, I mean, in the cage is a glass cage, so you can't see the cage, and yet we know it's there, but how we're all in cages... Cages are hard for us, and they're they're not just the boxes, the prisons, the you know the exterior cages, they're those interior cages. But when we come out of them and we're waiting for what's next, and we don't know what what is next, when we let go of our barriers, we let go of our limitations, and we haven't filled in the next phase the pull to just go back to what's familiar, even if we came out of it. And I'm not, I'm not saying that uh, domestic violence is simplistic, or that Wolfgang wanting to leave the mafia is simplistic, but I'm talking even more metaphorically, when we change a behavior, when we set ourselves free from something, and we don't know what's next, that in between state of waiting for the next thing to present itself can be really difficult. And as hard as a cage is, human nature often does take them back to the cage. And you experienced that, Zach. You did a talk this week, and you were talking about the shift and the new energies. I think somebody came up after you and was like, "That people are starting to sense the shift, but they don't know what to do with it. And so we watch how much easier it is sometimes even for people in the path of spirit of awakening to just go back and repeat what they know. I see it when I, I teach living in oneness and consciousness.
1: It's really hard being a pioneer of anything. Yeah. Really? Like there's, you don't have anything relative to yourself that is concrete, that is consistent Right humans are really we're creatures of habit and we love consistency whether it's the consistency of not being consistent right so whatever that is when you re, if you Sheila what you're talking about is even like a belief system can be a cage right right and usually those cages are a belief about ourselves and this is very well covered in sensei um about how we what we believe in ourselves and we make ourselves small and it takes courage To step out of those cages and those belief systems. And once you step out, it takes courage to keep moving. Right. And and where do you go? What do you do? There's nobody there that has the answers for you. And it's right. You have to move and you have to have you have to become sovereign enough to just say it's okay to not to have the answers, but I know who I am. So even if you don't know who you are, you know who you've been. Okay, so this, one of my favorite all-time scenes ever in The Matrix, the first one, is when Neo, it's a rainy night, this car pulls up. It's just Neo, this car, the door opens. He gets in the car, the door is still open. And the person in there says, I think they point, the camera points anyway and shifts as this person's talking. It's like, you can go down that road. You already have been down that road. You can, like the door hasn't shut on you yet. You can go down this road. It's going to be comfortable. It's going to be familiar. You've already been there. Or you can shut this door and you can see what a new opportunity unfolds. And that sticks into my mind all the time when I'm making decisions. I mean, it's integrated within me, so I don't really have to like think about this anymore. But even if you don't know who you are, you know who you don't want to be. And that's a good start.
0: Right. Absolutely. And then it's that getting in and waiting. But you have to have
1: that, you know, like Neo had to have the courage. He he knew that there was more to life.
0: Right. And he got in the car and then he has to wait for the car to and, go right. wherever and he
1: showed going. up. Right. Yeah. And they gave him that opportunity to turn like every step of Neo's way almost until he took that pill. He had a choice to make. Right. And after he made that choice, now he stepped out of this whole box into a different reality And now there's, now he actually, you know, he moves up into this hero state, but he's got to learn to make decisions for himself and for everybody else around him and all this kind of thing. And so who am I is a really important thing to uh, at least conceptually understand in those cages. Once you step out of them, you get to know yourself well enough where you can know that it's like there's certain things in life and we have material to help people with this kind of thing, but there's you're supported and to know that you have support, whether it's from somebody or something or whatever, but I'm going off on a tangent here. It's just really important to know yourself. So when you do remove yourself from those cages, you have the courage and know-how on how to proceed forward. Even if that means being uncomfortable or being comfortable with being uncomfortable because a lot of life when we're growing is being uncomfortable. It's not fun. There's a lot to learn and grow from. And eventually you get to hopefully a comfortable place. And sometimes that takes a very long time. And sometimes, which is end quote I, I heard last year. It's one of my favorite ones. It says that you can't change the waves of the ocean, but you can learn how to surf. Good one. Yeah. So I'll leave you with that. I'll drop the mic.
0: <laughs> but not really. Not really. All right, so as you're talking about that, and you, you talked about the pill and the matrix, we've got the red pill and the blue pill, and in here we have a black pill. So <laughs> we're going to talk about the last scene, which is pretty pivotal to the Sensei 8 story arc and the BPO story arc. But I also, I didn't think about this before. I, I got to dive in more to what the black pill represents for us as individuals, Mm. because...
1: I'm interested to find your research.
0: Yes, let me, I will get back to you next time after I contemplate, because we all do use something that numbs us, right? Because we really are all sensoriums at heart. And what are we using? Why are we using it? And Milton or Whisper's, uses this so he can lie, his wife appreciates this so she can lie. Um, So if we go into the rest of the episode, and the idea of language and limitation, so it limits us. So it is that maybe it it does keep us suppressed, uh, so that we can use language and and lie and manipulate
1: yeah this was covered quite a bit in the beginning of the show like whether you're using music or drugs or whatever it is humans do this with lots of different things you know some of them are socially acceptable and some of them aren't but most of us are doing it so talk about cages right what that pill represents yeah and how we block ourselves from so our, it is our blocker our, whatever our senses, we use whatever yeah. that so is.
0: it's all of that and Black is actually all color, just like white is a reflection of all color. So if we've got, it's got the red and the blue and all the the full color, uh, everything that we could possibly use is in a black
1: pill. Maybe it was simple. They're like, well, we've used red and blue, so we'll just use a black pill. (laughs) So it doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Right.
0: So... Riley somehow knows this is it. I don't know how she knows, except because well,
1: Will's tapping her. He's like, "Hey, oh, hey, okay. hey, this is this is this." So
0: it. we realize now there's finally a breakthrough. We went right to the edge. We're gonna lose Will, or yeah, we're gonna lose Will, <laughs> our Will <laughs> to survive. <laughs> and we're, you know, we got Nomi, but everything dead ends. And then there's the breakthrough, and he's able to access him. As he's going in to see the CEO of BPO, I guess. So they all show up and they're working together as a team.
1: Definitely one of the investors, whoever he is.
0: Yeah, he's the one from the beginning of this episode who he who whispers was showing that these sensates can be a very accurate tool for war. And that guy is funding it and above whispers. Yeah, so they find his name. He's Richard Wilson Croon is his name. I guess they figure it out from all the different... They find out he's in London, and they all work together as a team, and they know what's happening, and Whispers is like, oh no, I'm losing it right in front of him, and he knows he's, he even says, I've been compromised, I've been compromised, he's trying to pop the black pills, as many as he can, and Will gets up in his face at the end, and the music is amazing, and he says, you think you're hunting us, we're coming for you, and the music is like, (laughs) wow.
1: Excellent. Thank you for spending all your time with us here today on the Live Sense8 podcast. Please connect with us via Twitter at live underscore sense8. Our email address is team at livesense8.com. I want to give a big special thank you to Miss Sarah Applegate, the editor of our podcast, and... to get some exclusive content and perks and we have t-shirts you can go to patreon.com forward slash live Sense eight to support the show so we can grow and until next time stay connected